I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast, where we talk about different things in stocks and personal finance each week. Today, we've got Steve D., we've got Steve W., and a very special guest with us today. It's Tom from That Finance Show. Welcome, Tom. I think we need to do like a fake clap thing there. You know, like a. Oh, I thought you'd have an audience cheer there. That's strange. <laughs> oh, I could have an odyssey. I was just call- I was following your lead. I thought that was what you were going to do. There we go. There you go. But it's really long, so hello, I think Tom. I think the moment had passed there somewhat, but thank you. <laughs> that that's me on the soundboard. You'll find generally. And so uh, today we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to do less stocks, I believe, but we'll still do a bit around the important parts of first violence and things. Uh, we've got a little game to play with Tom. And then we basically, because Tom is a, are you a financial advisor, Tom, or something else that I don't, yeah, he is, he's a financial advisor, so he's going to be sitting here giving us unsolicited financial advice today. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't seen my fee yet. (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, we'll be asking Tom a few questions, we'll be asking Tom your questions, uh, a lot of people have asked some questions from the Discord, and I think we had some from YouTube as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll be putting them to Tom. But let's get started, I guess. And how's everyone's week been? <laughs> oh, we're going with Tom first, are we? Tom, I thought, you look like you wanted to say something. I thought you were going to lead. I yeah. thought you two would lead it, and then Tom would go, oh, I've got two seconds to kind of think something up, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of go with that. So, you meant to look D. after the guest, aren't you? Yeah, Steve D, how's your week been? <laughs> My week has been very good, Paul. Happy Thanksgiving to the no American viewers we have. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a decent week. I, I, I am back at work. I am feeling slightly better than last week. And, uh, my stocks are recovering to their normal position, which we joked about last week. They are now £100 off that level that they finish every week. So uh, it's been a very sort of boring, bland and average week for me. Um, how about you, Steve W? <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting sort of week. I'm more or less back where I started, but I've mainly been down more than up uh, on this week. Some of the stuff that I had that I thought I was buying a dip has just kind of kept on uh, dipping for the time being. That's all right. It's not massive parts of my portfolio. But I spent this week listening to uh, some interesting stuff from Kathy Wood, talking about her new um, idea for an ARC kind of short fund, which sounded really interesting to me. And that was that sort of helped me pass the time from staring at my own portfolio. It's nice to to see some other people who are, well, also having a sort of bumpy year, I guess. Did she give any ideas of what she wants to short? I've not heard this one yet, sorry. I mean, I guess it's fairly obvious she wants to short Intel. It appears in kind of all of their sort of reports, but she was talking about kind of big benchmark things that she views as candidates for disruption. I guess one thing I wasn't quite clear on is she kept talking about her kind of five-year investment horizon. Five years is quite a long time to be short something in terms of, paying fees to be short on a a position so i wasn't entirely sure whether she was thinking 
she would go short them for most of the time or part of the time or over a five-year time horizon. You can do that. But I'm excited to see that come out from ARK because it's been an interesting time for them lately. Uh, predictably, describing it as ARK on steroids, I saw them get ripped in the comments on YouTube a little bit by people pointing out that well, they can't lose even more money than they have in the last year. But that's that's the ARK strategy. <laughs> so um, I'll be interested to see how that kind of comes it's out. It's a bit eventually. of a change in tact, isn't it? From a very positive message of growth and innovation and pushing forward into the future to all of a sudden be shorting and quite... It feels like quite a nasty thing shorting is sometimes, isn't it? It's quite a negative thing. I guess that's right. I mean, my sense is that it's kind of tricky, right, being a fund manager. You have to constantly have some message that you are doing something, that you have something in the pipeline, that something interesting is happening. And when things are going well, you really need to point that out to people. And when things are going less well, you need to kind of get people's eyes off your your portfolio at that moment even if it's only going wrong in what you consider to be normal limits and i don't think arc is out of control by any means but it's you can't kind of just leave your investors looking at things that are having a bit of a a downtrend for the moment you need to point them at something else and say look here's the thing to keep your eye on five-year time horizon this new portfolio we're coming out with disruption s curves etc 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 uh tom you've been up to anything fun this week just um a little snippet oh, of how fun how does how do you live your how does what does tom from that finance shows week look like it looks like mainly staring at a blank piece of paper hoping for inspiration to jump out at me for a youtube video that's what most of the week looks <laughs> like um but apart from that no so yeah i'm a financial advisor so i guess i am now starting to travel a lot more again now and actually see clients so I've still been in a period post-COVID of Zoom and, and all of that. And actually, lots of people have embraced that and want to continue doing that. I've got clients up and down the country, so it, it helps me enormously as well. So, But I am now getting back to seeing people face-to-face, so lots more time in the car, which is awful. But, yeah, so <laughs> I'm sort of moving to this hybrid where I think technology is going to play a role now for me in delivering what I do. But sometimes it is still easier to sit across a table from somebody. I was going to say, do you feel like that's better? Do you feel like that's like what? What way would you prefer to work? And could you do you see yourself going to the more work from home style? I think the thing is for me. So if I if I meet a brand new client, for example, it probably takes me, depending on what exactly we're talking about, four or five meetings or detailed conversations to actually get from "Hello, I'm Tom" to "Here's what we should be doing," and. Yeah. I feel now that I two of those are good in person and three of them are fine, you know, over this kind of format. Um, it, yeah. What we're talking yeah. about, you know, there's, there's a trust thing, isn't there? And, and I think people are talking to me about their life savings and pretty big decisions. And I think they want to see the whites of your eyes and have a proper conversation. <laughs> is that an old fashioned saying? That is a saying, isn't it? It is a saying. It, it, is a saying. it definitely is. Uh, they want to stare deeply into your soul to see if you're any good to, to decide whether you're going to be any good with their money I suppose so but uh, in the wedding industry we're, we've got something similar they we used to meet a lot of people face to face but now it's all Zoom we we pretty much don't want to go into people's houses to to interview people or have people interview us and I I would say I get interviewed now on uh, a daily basis and I, I 
I couldn't imagine doing it in people's homes anymore or meeting at, at uh, venues anymore. I think it's it's all going to be done by Zoom, and it's it's interesting. Well, I don't use Zoom. I must admit, I use either Teams or I use Google Meet um, to point that out. Um, so I guess you you can show might... them your work quite easily like that, can you, Paul? Show them. Uh, the website the website will do that won't it really um it's more to- meeting basically they they meet me like this <laughs> and i uh, kind of chat with them and and discuss any any issues that they might have in, in in there and this is for a lot of my different types of work i i've got a lot of uh fingers in a lot of pies at the moment and it's kind of <laughs> i did go oh hectic hectic that's a very song, different photo shoot isn't it <laughs> <laughs> all right okay uh let's move on to steve d's game today it's uh gonna be another cracker right here oh, <laughs> back by back by popular demand i.e i wanted to do it so that's that's why it's happening uh we're gonna have two tube round two uh, and it's gonna work much the same way there's just a few more people uh in the pile this time because Tom's going to play with as well after admitting that he does watch a bit of YouTube. So there you go. We'll find out uh, just how much he watches. Um, so there's 12 <laughs> numbers this time, Paul, just to make it extra difficult for you. Um, I'm not going to be able to remember going, the last two. <laughs> I've got you going first. But, well, you might get a hint like 24. if. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got you going first, Paul. So do you want to give us a number between 1 and 12 and we'll get going? Uh, I'll I'll do the hard number that I'm probably going to forget straight away. Eleven. <laughs> Why is eleven a hard number? Because it comes after ten, and I can't count any further than ten. I think eleven is the hardest of the pile as well. So here we go. Oh, Let's great. see what you know. Welcome back to the channel. Today I wanted to cover a more fun topic. Okay, let's hear it again, Paul. I, I always like to play it twice for the, the audience. It sounds home. like a BBC News um, presenter. <laughs> Can prom- <laughs> no, he said it was something about fun. So I actually know this one. one. Can I have 11? No. Here it comes. <laughs> Welcome back to the channel today. We're going to have a more fun topic. Okay. Oh, no. I f- well, uh, see, see I, I don't know this one, no. I... Uh, as much as much as I wish I did, I, I kind of recognise the voice, but um, to me it just sounds like it's a um, a political news broadcaster that's uh, talking to me. Go on and have a guess at your political news broadcaster. I'd love to hear who you no, think it is. I, oh, no, it, it sounds like one of those ones when when you just sort of. I didn't had anyone in, uh, specifically in mind. It just sounds like shame. one of those, uh, you know, those local BBC news. Um, <laughs> uh, news shows it sounds like something like that but go for it I have no bit, idea who this bit is bit Robert Pestley but who is it Tom then is Osborne or Os- Osborne Freeman I-, I always call him Osborne Freeman but I think his name's Osborne Foreman but yeah oh it is <laughs> well that's not Foreman. terribly embarrassing sorry Osborne <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing I had Freeman written on the sheet um, am I thinking of Morgan Freeman <laughs> could be um, so Tom I've got you going second Oh god! I'll have um, I'll have number five, please. Number five. Okay. Now that sounded like you were on countdown. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's, he's like down with the pen. He's like, oh, I'll have number five, please. And, and the a vowel. following video is brutal. <laughs> if you don't have thick skin and you're faint of heart, <laughs> stop watching and turn it off now. Ah. 
Do you want me to play it I do again know for this you? one. Oh, I know this. Popular on the Discord. Yeah. The okay. following video is brutal. If you don't have thick skin and you're faint of heart, stop watching and turn it off now. Oh, I can picture his face. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought this was just going to be 12 questions of Paul and me going, nope, don't know, and that's why we had you, Tom you on know the show. This one. But... The... They've been sharing this a lot in the Discord, haven't they? I know. I can. I, I can. I do know this the, one. Yeah. Now I'm not going to get it. It's uh, Paul from Everything Money. Everything yeah. Money. Uh, and that is his uh, video on um, Stockmer, which is brutal. If you've ever wanted to see somebody, uh, <laughs> it's almost a character assassination. It gets a little bit rude at times, but anyway. Steve. He's he's like that. He's there to be the contra. He's he knows what he's trying to do, and he's trying to he be is. that edgy sort of bloke, isn't he? Edgy lord. I've got plenty of them. <laughs> okay, um, can I go for Paul from Everything Money's anticipated PE number for Disney? So six, please. <laughs> number six <laughs> is my favourite of the pile. Here you go. Good morning, YouTube, and welcome back to my channel that has no name because I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Would you like to hear it again? No, I do not want to hear it again. <laughs> I want you to delete no, it almost. I don't want to hear it again because I, I think that's from like the first ever video or something. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, um, so I initially thought, my god, that sounds like Paul. Who the hell sounds like Paul? Um. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with the idea that's probably Paul, and I'm pleased to have got one on this if I'm right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is Paul. Oh, so Paul, you painful. made it into you made it into the B tier, and I, I just want to play it again for everybody. Just good just morning, YouTube, and welcome back to my channel that has no name because I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Some, some things still never change. No clue what I'm doing. Still, still, absolutely no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Just kind of, but I'm very, very humbled to to make it into this list. That's amazing. Is that the very first one, Paul? I I, I feel I I think that's the first thing I said. It feels like that, doesn't it? It does feel like that. <laughs> it's um, it's very that's... much whispering to camera. Paul's first few videos, um, you can barely hear him. Um, but yeah, I've yeah. had to lift the volume on that three times to try and get it anywhere near the others. But Paul, are you planning on turning that into an NFT anytime? <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's a possible thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, I Go on, Paul. You can, give us a number. Uh, number twelve gone yet? It's twelve. It hasn't. No. Here is number 12. <laughs> I should get a point for that. It's riskified, a good investment. Let's run through the bull and ah, bear case to in. find out. Get in. Get in. Yeah. Easy. Easy one. Uh, that's Feraldi, right? That is Brian Feraldi. Well done. That's Tom. good. Very. Uh, you're going to do a little Brian Feraldi's uh, Motley Fool. Um, investor uh been very successful hasn't he uh quite into his growth very like great at breaking down stocks if you catch him on twitter quite and into a, his tech yeah and he's got a new youtube channel i think and it's got a lot going on in there uh which has been pretty good how would you been doing so far Tom? yeah it's <laughs> what you waiting for a number sorry no, i was gonna say how would you have done so far have you got all four well i uh, no, uh yeah no I, I only all got four. He didn't get his own one. <laughs> all three of four. Got the only one I did get, I got his surname wrong. I did, yeah. <laughs> Two minutes ago, I was <laughs> Osman Freeman. 
<laughs> I'll have number three, please. Number three. It's a tricky one. Oh. Hello, my name's Rachel, and welcome back to my channel. So she... Well, clearly Rachel. Rachel. Uh, oh. Uh, again Tom? Would that help? Yeah, one more. Hello, my name's Rachel, and welcome back to my channel. So she... I couldn't go see, any further see, we, because she does uh, actually announce the name of the channel at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, just to fill in this gap while Tom has a think. I mean, Tom's at a disadvantage here against Paul and me because Steve talks about these people every yeah, other week. Yeah, we um, do get... The, the, we we regularly squander this advantage by not listening to what he says. <laughs> but we, we have heard of all these people at least in theory. Anyway. It, it is, it's a channel name, isn't it? It's not Rachel. Is it? She got a channel name. That's right. Yeah, yeah so I'll yeah. have half a point for that, please, and move on. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I'll give you half a point for Rachel, shall I? Yes, please. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's Rachel from Creating Balance. Oh, oh I, I would have got that wrong. <laughs> I would have gone for the balance thingy, so I'd have probably got yeah, half maybe. a point. Yeah. Personal finance YouTuber, but she's really into a tech stocks and mutual funds and things like that as well, so it is a little bit different to what's normally on YouTube. Um, so yeah, pretty good. I think um, you've shared three women's channels with us previously, and I, I kind of had—I didn't remember that one, but I—I I bet there's another one in there that I can remember. Okay, I hope so. Give us a number, then. <laughs> see if you get it. Uh, uh, it's, it's me, right? It's, 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 uh, yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, number one, please. Number one. It is official. The stock market hates growth stocks. Do you want it again? Hmm. Uh, yes, please, because it fills a gap. It is official. The mm. stock market hates growth stocks. This is a kind of got a familiarish sound to it, to be honest. Um, but Can you do I it one more time, I just because I um, I went a bit uh, fuzzy on the old uh, <laughs> broadband? Then it is official. The stock market hates growth stocks. The stock market hates growth stocks. So who provides kind of market commentary like that? I wonder. Um, I like what Steve tries to figure it out. He only knows three YouTubers, and he's already named them all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I named them all last time. This is the, this is the kind of one time every month I feel bad that I don't click on any of those links that you send me. <laughs> Otherwise, I might know. All that effort we put into the thumbnails, and Steve just doesn't click any of them. <laughs> What's a I thumbnail? All. <laughs> uh, I don't know on this one. It's Jacob from JKR Investing. Ah, I did know Jacob. Oh, yeah. I, think it, I think it's Joker. I think That's the guy that stands next to the whiteboard, right? It is, yeah. And he's got the untidiest handwriting in the world. And he probably yeah, won't mind us saying that. Yeah, he sort of scribbles on the right board. <laughs> and he says he says something and you look at him and go, is that what that says? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he does yeah. know his, uh, he knows his, he knows his stocks, definitely. Um, so, okay. I think that brings us back to Paul. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't actually hear that one because my broadband messed up. I probably would have got that one right, I reckon, because uh, he's, he's messaged me a couple of times on Instagram, I think, and we've chatted about some stuff. Um, uh, number two? Two is available. That's quite <laughs> Hello, friends. Welcome back to the channel. Do you want it again? I... Now, well, uh, yeah, for for the listeners, if they want. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the channel. Mm. Uh, so this is Chicken Genius. Uh, I think his real name's Ken or Ben. One, I don't two. know that, but that is. 
correct. Yeah. I don't know his real He's name. A... I'm glad it's Chicken Genius because if not, that was the most racist thing in the world from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watch pretty much. So there's not many YouTubers that I watch, but his, I pretty much watch all of them, and not because I don't like Paul... them or anything like that. Or I have. Paul says it, but he's got eight out of nine in YouTube so far, I think. Oh, bloody hell, that's pretty <laughs> good. Um, but, um, yeah, he, he basically he became famous because of Tesla, really, didn't he? But now he's sort of making... I, I, I didn't agree with his latest video. He said his latest video, you should be shorting everything. You should short half a fang and you should go long half a fang and that should ultimately make you perfect. <laughs> I, I couldn't really work out what he was saying to be honest with you in the short short thing but yeah he's got some he's got some odd strategies uh, and he, he has a lot of followers so I, I don't know what to make of him totally you had a reaction video on one of his videos right Paul yeah that was uh, he says that uh, s- some sort of I think it was like dividend stocks aren't safe and the, I think the whole point was no stocks are safe, are safe. It, Apparently, except for Tesla, of course, is the safest stock in the, on the planet, according to him. And that's he might be right. No, that's all I can really say on that one. He probably was at the time, looking back. But let's keep going, Tom. I better have number one. Number one. I think hey? he's been taken. He's done yeah, a poll. He's got Paul in disguise. I'll have seven. I didn't recognise you not in Burgundy, you Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky number seven. This is a good one. Because as I put it in the video, 2018 was a crazy year. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, um, oh, um, plain bagel. That is correct. Well done, Tom. This plain bagel. Would you have got it, Paul? Uh, no, not, not a chance. I don't recognise his voice, but now you've said his name, I recognise his face. <laughs> no, I really <laughs> like, like guy his with glasses, stuff. right? Yeah. Yeah, I bet he's really, he's really yeah, good. He, I bet he's really good. Yeah. He is really good. He does these five-minute history lessons. I don't know if you've ever seen those. something a bit different as well. Um, he's clearly a really... He's a Canadian fund manager, I want to say, or certainly investment analyst. Maybe he's an analyst, analyst, yeah, an investment analyst, um, yeah, definitely. His content's really good. He's a really smart guy, and he's kind of lent into a bit more humour with these intros. Yeah. Good. Uh, Steve? Nine, please. Nine. Exciting new technologies and the companies that create them seem like obvious investment opportunities. I do know a few. I don't. Uh, what would I know about exciting new technologies? I'm busy trying to buy shares in Lockheed Martin and Kellogg's. Play it again, That's- Steve? Really misleading. Exciting new technologies and the companies that create them seem like obvious investment opportunities. See, I think he's got the most distinctive voice out of the lot. He would have been the one I yeah, definitely yeah. got. He's got quite a distinctive voice. I think I'm going to be annoyed if I know who this is. So plain bagel, I wouldn't have got, but I, it, it makes sense now that I, you've told me the answer. I do recognize that. I don't think I know who this is, and I'm going to be surprised if this name is familiar to me. This be. is... Ben Felix. Ben uh, Felix. Okay, I've seen so Capital. little stuff of uh, yeah Ben Felix. I'm not surprised <coughs> by that. Okay. I don't watch Stop. it. I don't watch any of his videos, but it's I listen to their podcasts all the time. It's it's really quite. It's very very good. That's quite very, helpful very for a game like this. Uh, this will <laughs> secure the win for you, Paul. If you can get this one. 
Jesus. You also uh, need to I, get the number I wouldn't, first. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what number it is. Five? Uh, nope. Oh god, we, is this just going to be four me guessing Four is the closest, numbers? if you'd like four. Four, four. I was going to say four. Well, but then I went four. <laughs> second, second guess myself. This is the hardest part of the game the every single week. Bubble just recently peaked right as it did before the 2008 yeah. Great Financial Crisis. It's an easy one, isn't it? Like, everyone knows Graham Stephan, don't they? Unfortunately. Mm, that is correct. It's Captain Nasal, as I call him. <laughs> Captain Nasal. <laughs> <laughs> right, just to finish the game off, Tom, what number would you have picked? Uh, I would have picked. You would have picked eight. Eight. Well done. This is one you'll get, I think. I am a financial advisor, and I know what you're thinking. A very handsome one at that. Oh, um. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not me. It's, um. Play, play it again. Okay. I, I can't am remember his a name. financial advisor, and I know what you're thinking. A very handsome one at that. He's probably the OG of. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been on it forever. He's the older guy. Oof, not that is old. He on, that is, is he on YouTube? <laughs> he is. He's on YouTube. All does right. a lot of podcasting. He's very nice. I think he's from Truro, is he? Cornwall. Yeah, he's Cornwall. Yeah, down south. Yeah, I, I used to listen to his podcast all the time. Really, really good. A little bit too complicated. I his Pension versus Isa thing not that long ago, and I can't mm -hmm. remember his name. It is Pete from Meaningful Money. Meaningful Money. Meaningful Money. And that leaves you, Steve, with the one I really hoped you would get. Ten, ten. which is Cameron Stewart, or I don't know. Wrong. <laughs> and you will know. Here it is. I really, this would be the only one that would get my attention, although I, <laughs> yeah, really, I just don't like the general evaluation. Uh, Who is well, it? I, I'm his second biggest fan behind Paul. Uh, it's a Texas rattlesnake. <laughs> it it's, is. It's Chuck Carnival. <laughs> Stone Cold it's... Chuck Carnival. <laughs> Correct. Mr. Valuation himself. It is. Uh, so, yeah. Well done, Paul. You are the winner. Let's Woo. crack on. That's it. Well done, Paul. Woo. Right, yeah. Uh, moving on today. Mostly, this is going to focus around our special guest today. Uh, it's Tom. And... Um, how do you guys want to start this, really? Because there's there's quite a few tough questions in here uh, that are worded. I mean, I, I imagine we're going to paraphrase some of these questions. We're not just going to call him a dick all night, are we? Well, I've, I've got the most... I think the most interesting one for me is, Tom, why are you on YouTube? Why am I on YouTube? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think when I started, the idea was... Um, to try and access an audience that don't have much access to financial advice, in truth. Hmm. You know, the reality is, most of the time, financial advisors help rich people get richer. Um, and, you know, I think this stuff isn't taught in school, so there's this massive gap of people that perhaps do need some steers, especially on the fundamental stuff, you know, the very basics of, uh, you know, financial planning, right from, you know, budgeting all the way through to you know living on less than you make and some basic principles so that was the idea to try and access the next generation you know of, of investors and try and get people interested in it um try and not make it such a dry dull topic i have no idea whether i'm succeeding on that but that's the aim <laughs> did you did you imagine it would always be like a four minute sketch and then four minutes of advice or 
it's funny you say that, Steve, because when, when I started this, I thought it was going to be dead serious, really quite educational. I was going to go deep diving into kind of the textbook stuff. That was the original intent. And then the more that I did, the more I realized that that is boring and not what I want to do. And actually, the way to do it properly is to try and find a way of putting a bit of personality into it and make it entertaining. So mm. that they've got cilia. That is for sure. They have got cilia. <laughs> it's a deep, dark hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, so I... I haven't seen this episode. Is this a Steve W question? Did you want to ask this this next one? Or I don't have a sheet in front one. of me. You might have to tell me what the question okay. is. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it looks like in front Steve of the w... ones that were my questions, though. So <laughs> yeah, it looks like Steve W's asked this one. And uh, sorry, I've, I've you must have done a couple of videos that have been at odds with the fire community. And you're talking oh, three yeah, people who are who are attempting to, at least to generate some form of financial independence for themselves so you might be up against the wall here a little bit but uh basically the question goes why do you hate the fire community <laughs> yeah that was my question <laughs> was that you steve what it yeah it was, it was... <laughs> there's, there's a bit more us, to it we came up with there's... the same question <laughs> there's a bit so, more yeah, to, put, it, uh, to it afterwards but yeah, go for that one first. So yeah, you're right. This is by far my most disliked video on the <laughs> on the channel by quite a way. <laughs> um, yeah, so my it was quite a specific problem. Look, I, I don't have a problem with the fire community. I've, I think I say in the video, I've got one foot in that camp myself. I think it came from um, a couple of people that I met, both as a sort of professional capacity, as a financial advisor, and then sort of as a friend where... They absolutely hated their job, like with a venomous passion, they hated it. Every morning they couldn't bear getting up, you know, proper, you know, in, in the depths of despair. And so their solution to that was they were living a very frugal existence and squirreling every single penny and pound away um, in order to escape as early as they could. That, that was their answer to that problem. Um, and... I actually remember the one the one person that I did professionally, I put their retirement plan together and I remember doing the numbers to say to them, yeah, all things being equal, you probably can now retire. You've kind of done it. You know, and it was like 40 years of deep breath, like, oh, thank God. And I just sat there and I thought, what a miserable existence. You know, mm. <laughs> just for, for me and the point that I tried to make with stupid sketches and trying to wear my wife's glasses, which I couldn't see through in that stupid video. <laughs> Um, <laughs> trying to read my notes uh, with, with her glasses on was that I haven't got a problem with the idea of financial independence I know it's not about retiring early as everyone keeps jumping down my throat and saying it's not about retiring early it's about having the option to I get it I know that I agree <laughs> um, but I do just you, think do you not if that, feel if like that's on you YouTube, do you not feel like on YouTube that half of your life is going well yeah I'm making this point about this but also I, I do understand that bit as well. It's it's a lot of like, okay, people just take take the video at that sole point. But actually, yes, I do totally understand that we, yeah. you know, we're not trying to re retire early. But it is called financial independence, retire early. So, like, uh, 
there's a bit more to it. But yeah, I used to find myself. Yeah, and, that, and that's just the, that's the fault the of the badge that people have given it, hasn't it? You know, this concept of people wanting to leave work early is not a new thing. All they've done is badged it up with a brand and given it a catchy little acronym. Um, but yeah, my, my point was that you should redirect your energy to not working the world's job that you hate. Because I believe everybody has options. And I know it's more difficult. It's really easy to sit there and go, you've got options, leave your job, get a better one. People say, oh, it's not that simple. And I sort of say, well, it is. In theory. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of wonder whether it depends. There's a lot of sort of moving parts to kind of retiring early, I guess. I mean, I was quite taken with your video, not just because you suckered me in by saying you've been doing some philosophical thinking. So I sort of sat up straight and started listening for a little bit. Um, but I kind of feel like my my feelings about the, the goal of retiring early or really gutting it out in a job that you can't stand, it depends on a few things, I guess. I suppose it depends how much you would hate the alternative job, which depends a bit on how much, what exactly it is you dislike about your current job. And I suppose it might also depend for me a bit on how far away from retirement you are. I mean, if you think... If I can just fight this out for another four or five years or something like that, rather than take 10 years over a job that I kind of like more, I, I can see my way into thinking like that for someone. If I can't think of a job I would like enough more to want to do it for 10 years than I would in this thing that um, I really can't stand it. But look, five years and I'm free or something like that. Does that factor into your thinking anywhere? Uh, maybe, but five years feels like a lot of days for me. Um you know, I just think time is so precious. I mean, you know, this is me getting, I'm not trying to get all philosophical, but, you know, every day, I just think five years, even, Next I don't, question, don't what you're I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're taking him out of, you him out of the podcast and putting him right into the job that he hates. <laughs> <laughs> but do you not um, think five years, I, five days a week, full time, five years, that's a lot of days, a lot, lot of, of hours time. doing something you I don't, don't know. I sort of feel like I have quite a lot of working time ahead of me. I have quite a lot of five years and five days a week working time ahead of me. I kind of feel like with the amount of time I have left to run, if someone said, shorten that down to five uh, five years and I'm going to find you an awful job, I would say, yeah, tell me a bit more about this job. Exactly kind of how, how bad are we talking for five years? Because I think my retirement is various sets of five years away. Um, That's it. So you go, down the, go down the mines with a budgie yeah it's 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 very scary and i have been doing exactly the same thing that you're talking about at the moment tom um i started out with the same thing just hating not necessarily hating my job just but just finding it very very hard to get up and go to it and in the future i saw the same thing as steve w it wasn't five years away it was the minimum 10 years way to compound all of that money up in a in a broad-based index fund that was that's the minimum saving 50 percent of my wages blah 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 and then really to make it comfortable it's another block of five on top of that so you're not really talking five years are you talking three blocks of five there at, at minimum um but i had the same sort of revelation of this time versus money now what do i what do i value more do i value my time or my money so part of what i've done or part of what i'm thinking about doing at the moment is uh, living frugally to a point but having that uh, enable me to work less so now i only have to work two days a week to afford my frugal lifestyle a bit more complicated than that 
because the next step on top of that was, well, if I work, keep working the four days and live my frugal lifestyle, that has allowed me to build up a bit of a safety buffer of money and maybe allow me to move jobs or give me the confidence to maybe pursue a different type of career. And that is that is exactly why I haven't released a video for about three or four weeks right now, because <laughs> it's it's fucking hard. It's really fucking hard when you jump out of that safety net of your, your nine to five job into whatever the fuck I'm doing right now. Because I sorry, I just started swearing again. Emma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, That's uh, someone put 50p in Paul. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's that time versus money thing. And I think it is more complicated. But for the majority of people to keep that safety, maybe, and maybe if you have been already doing some sort of saving over the years, maybe the fire movement isn't such a bad way of looking at it if, you, if you've only got five years left. But if you're right, if it's 10 years, maybe think about trying to improve your lifestyle now, which is probably where my... <laughs> next videos are going to come from uh if i can be asked to get around to them. <laughs> well how great your life's going to be now that you've quit your job or something how or how much worse it's got <laughs> this is the man who had to put a ladder in his out... own tent because i frightened him <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> yeah if any yeah i, I mean we're sharing we, we're sharing a lot there but to uh make it to give an example of how frugal I'm getting at the moment, I am living in a tent above my car. <laughs> That's how frugal I've got at the minute, which is kind of ridiculous. And that is a that, that is another serious? story for another time. Yeah, being is serious. That... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I was part I think of I might make a video on that Paul if you don't. Anywhere, <laughs> I was part Why did none of our guests ever come back on this podcast? Because <laughs> of the weird shit I'm doing with my life. Oh, dude, so some he had a, stupid he had, stuff. He had a little ladder going to his tent, and I just said, are you worried someone else will climb that ladder in the night? And he went, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to have to put this ladder in the tent with me, out here. And I was like, yes, yeah, you are. It was the first time I did it on a street. And, yeah, he was right. I needed to, I needed to be a bit more safe, I think. Oh, yeah, anyway, that's a story for... back to the topic. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've made it all about me, haven't I? <laughs> mm. so, I've got an interesting query for you then. So so the Bogleheads and the sort of fire community, they're, they're basically like formulaic, in very formulaic in basically the way they do all of the financial lives. So has that, has that put a dent in, in, in sort of the financial advisor industry because kind of people are saying well why bother going to see tom just follow this list of six dots yeah i think um i think it's really nice to think that there's a, such a simple answer to what is actually quite a complex question it's like the four percent rule you know the, the basis of the theory is pretty sound albeit it has holes in it um but the reality is people's lives don't work like that and certainly retirement doesn't work like that. Um, you know, so when, when you think about retirement planning and you've got someone who's, I don't know, 55, 60, 65, talking about the next 30 years, there's no linear approach to that 30 years that's ever going to play out, no matter what modelling you do. So I, I love cash flow modelling. 
that's a weird sentence. I don't love cash flow modeling, but <laughs> that's what I use a lot of. Um, you know, trying to put in things like assumptions for returns, inflation, to try and see for somebody that pot of money you've built, will it last? Mm. And we can stress test it. What happens if markets do this in year four? What happens if your roof blows off and you've got to find 50 grand to fix it? What happens, you know, in these kinds of events? Um, but I always say to everyone, you, you, you do that for the 30 years, you know, until you're 100 years old on a graph, but we need to sit down every year and have a look at it and see what actually happened and adjust mm. it and make sure you I've catch any problems early enough. Is that timeline? Is that the app? Is that the yeah. piece of software you use? Yeah, I've seen that. Well, um, yeah, I've used different ones. It's loads, truth, cow. It depends how complicated you want to get. But yeah, they all do mm. roughly the same thing. Yeah. I saw Jim, I think it was Jim Shack talking about timeline. That looked a really interesting thing to just plug some numbers in. It sort of stress tests what you've got against yeah. the future, really, and then tells you... It gives you people a visual as well. And sometimes it's easier for people to see. So the one that I use puts two lines on a graph to say, this is your goal if you want to spend the last pound on the last day. And then this is where you're, you're at based on your portfolio. So you can mm. kind of see, am I going to run out or have I got some money left when I'm 100? Hmm, that's that's very accurate. It predicts when you're going to die as well. Well, I tell it that. <laughs> <laughs> you sat there but going, to be honest, 75. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the guy across I... the room and I think, mm, yeah, you look like you might be gone a bit soon. Puts in a hundred and then goes minus 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 uh, yeah, minus minus minus. I <laughs> like Paul. He uh, sleeps in a tent above his car. Mm, Seventy at least. Seventy. You're having a laugh, ain't you? Yeah, it's coming. My my would be a problem. I was thinking about the stress test, and you're talking about a roof going off your off the top of your house for fifty grand. I'd be thinking, oh, what if I want a Mars bar that day? That'll throw my uh, <laughs> financial calculations out massively. Oh, we can do it. We can tailor it to you if you want, Paul. If your tent blows off the roof of your car, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I just I just uh, I just free run it. That'd be fine. I've got Vivi. It's fine. Um, so uh, the next question we were looking to ask, this is like a little question answer. I like it. It's pretty good. Uh, two of us don't have any workplace pensions. Are we idiots? I, I take it that's me. I don't think I have a workplace pension anymore. So, well, I think um, you're one of them, yeah. I'm yeah, the other one. Right. Good. I was just <laughs> making sure I hadn't suddenly not got a workplace pension anymore without realising it. <laughs> Paul took it off you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So generally, what's your take on workplace pensions, and are they uh, an eventual rug pull on the state pension? Yeah, that's an in that second part of the question is interesting. Um, I don't know mm. how old we are all in this room. We we're gonna we're gonna say, but for me, certainly, I uh, I'm not convinced there's going to be a state pension when I get there. Me neither. Me um, I would be. I don't know. I've read so much on it. I get asked this quite a lot, and you say, "Well, of course, I don't know." But I, you know, so whether it's a rug pull or not, mm, don't know. Could be the start of. Um, I think if you're employed and there's a workplace pension, you should be involved. Otherwise, you're leaving employer money on the table. Because if you're not involved, you don't get the employer match. Not, not to mention the same as a SIP as well. Uh, you're still leaving money on the table by not having a personal pension as well. I'm, I'm guessing that's your, exactly. your viewpoint there. Yeah, that's fair enough. Pensions are, um, there, it's a funny thing because it's sort of this unfashionable idea of a pension, um, but they're, they're so much more flexible now than they ever used to be. So we now need to see them actually just as an investment pot like any other. I know there are hmm. some rules still around it, that you know, um, but still. 
Yeah, I understand that definitely. My, just explain to me the freedoms that you can have with it because one of my reasoning reasons behind not having one so far is is sort of the lack of freedom. And I know everyone says it's free money. That's the that's the phrase that comes out of everybody's mouth whenever I say. Like, I don't have a pension. They go, but it's free money. And you, you basically said the same thing, but in a much more eloquent way there. What, do you feel like you, these, you can be restricted? That you only, you're only allowed the money at certain ages that would you know, make, it, make it less appealing to someone, maybe? Yeah, and it's a bit it's a bit like that pension versus ISA debate that rolls around, isn't it? And and that's always the thing that gets levied against a pension is the fact that well it's fifty five rising to fifty seven. Um so that's the problem. If you're sat here as somebody who's twenty five or thirty starting the journey of investing, the math says you should look at pensions because of tax relief, probably an employer contribution, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that always comes back is yeah, but I've got X amount of years before I can touch it. Um, but I actually don't always think that's a bad thing. As long as you're using other strings to the bow, like, you know, ices and other wrappers that you can get at, because I don't always think it's a bad thing to put that discipline on yourself to say, yeah, you can't touch it and you shouldn't touch it. Because otherwise, if you can touch everything and you make a poor decision somewhere, what are the ramifications of that? Yeah, so I guess that thought speaks me. to another thing I hear about workplace pensions. I think part of people's felt dissatisfaction with them, especially people that have started investing recently, is that they tend to think they're quite badly invested. They tend to underperform. They tend to be spread out across really heavily diversified things. A lot of that includes bonds. They tend to think, look, I'd rather get hold of the money and stick it somewhere myself where I can at least choose what it's going into. I mean, do you think the kind of discipline point occurs there as well in that case, right? So having some money that's tied up in stuff that is basically in some sort of funds uh, that you can't decide to go and lump on Alibaba or whatever um, is a good thing to have on yourself? Or Yeah, I don't mind a, a plain vanilla base to build from, you know, if that's what we can call it. You know, you've got that plain vanilla stuff that just runs and ticks along mm-hmm. nicely in the background. And then if you want to go, you want to go all in on Alibaba, then do that with some play money. Um, but, you know, I mean, a lot of workplace pensions have a lot more investment options than people realise. So they'll all have a default investment strategy that everybody gets bunged into. So when you get signed up, you get told this is the default investment strategy. This is what you're going into unless you tell us otherwise. And nobody ever asks, oh, what are the other options? Because they just don't. Mm. Whereas there's probably a brochure full of another 150 options they can choose from, but nobody ever looks at them. Yeah, there wasn't with mine. That's why I left mine. Mine was the people's pension. I basically got. Oh yeah, well that one is naff. Yeah, I got. I think I got top, (laughs) middle, or bottom. (laughs) Top, middle, or bottom. And uh, if you want to transfer it, you have to transfer the whole thing. And your fees are this, but we might give you a rebate. And also, we performed really crap last year. In the biggest. That's because the government were involved with that one, Steve. Yeah, and I can't convince my workplace to put it anywhere else. So I thought I'll just move it myself. Um, so it's in a SIP. I'm not avoiding pensions altogether, obviously. But, Are you still um, getting your employer contribution, though, or have you forgotten? No, that? they won't contribute at the moment. I am trying to make them do it, but they're just like the the like the 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 lady who looks after it is a bit spreadsheet says no. Um, so we'll you know why that is? It's an admin nightmare because if if you set that rule for everybody and everybody starts doing their own thing and the company got to chuck money in five hundred, I don't know what size company you work for, but it normally not just creates a headache. Yeah, not that big, and and um, and where I'm from, not a lot of people even have pensions, so it's uh, yeah, it's not 
They're, they're taking money off us. We're not going to live past 65. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll probably hear that a lot. Do you know what I so, hear a lot when Tom, it comes to pensions? I hear um, people say, yeah, but what happens if I don't get there? What happens if I don't yeah. get there? You say, yeah, you can't but touch it, that until you retire. And they say, what happens if I don't get there? And then I always say, yeah, but what happens if you do? Yeah, the thing is, it doesn't form part of your estate either, does it? So you can actually pass your pension on to other people without with um, without fear of them having a massive tax bill. So, yep. so there you go. One of the things that sticks out, out to me is the enough is enough idea. So the fact that you're getting to 65 or 67, which it will be, and you know they give out these lovely numbers, and you talk about the ISA versus pension debate. And by the way, I don't disagree in any way. I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate here that you uh, you will eventually gain more money by having it in the pension by the time you're 80 or what, or whatever. And you'll have less in an ISA because of the employment contributions. Quite considerably less as well, I think. But do you need it? Which is the, which would, is the question. So if I was to come up with, uh, and, and you'd love this one, an FI number of, say, £500,000 or £600,000, so that's quite low probably for the majority of people. Would I, uh, what, what would you say to somebody who would earn that by the time they're 45 and be able to retire and, uh, you know, you do your cash flow in it and it would all come out um, perfectly, assuming it does anyway. What would be the point in having a million and a half by the time that you're 67 versus having 600 uh, by the time you're 45. What would what would be the point? So I sort of totally agree with that. That's all about sort of goal setting, you know, which is, and most people yeah. don't do this. So I always, you know, you're really in front of a new client and I ask the question, when do you want to retire? You get that inevitable eyes go around the room, nobody knows what to say because they've never really given that proper thought Obviously, the fire community are a bit different because it's all they think about. <laughs> um, that's not a pop. I do like them, really. It's just they, they attacked me, so every now and again, I have to have a... Sorry, Steve. Um, I, I, there's, a, there's a sort of funny story about that. When, when I went for my mortgage, they asked me when I was looking to retire, and I said 40 is a bit of a joke, and she just wrote down 65. <laughs> 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 she basically was like, you're never going to get a mortgage if you say 40. So, um, did she mutter yeah. idiot under her breath as she did it? No, 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 she was very polite. <laughs> she think you looked older than 40. <laughs> She was marking it. She was oh, marking shit. it down to the underwriters, going, "Oh, we've got another fire guy in here." Fuck. <laughs> right, I'm gonna. But yeah, uh, Paul. That's all about knowing questions. your number, isn't it? Knowing your number, and if you if you really want to go at a certain age, you need to make sure you know what that number is to make that a reality, and then make sure it's invested in a way that you can get at it from that date. That's all about. Planning. I was going to ask you when when you ask that question, like, when do you want to retire? How many people just say tomorrow? Have yeah. you ever got that? Because <laughs> that yeah, would be mine. I'd be like, I want to retire tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Make it happen. Yeah, you do get that all the time. Man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make it happen, financial monkey. Do it now. <laughs> yeah. If you're any good, you it's can do it. supposed to be magic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do ask people to say... Skip, skip. Go on. I do try and get people to say, in an ideal world, you know, what, when the question I always ask is, when do you want to retire? And the key is mm. the word want. I'm, I'm trying to learn, what, what do you want to do? If we could make it happen, you know, within the realms of possibility, when do you want to retire? And people will say, well, 
oh, it'd be great if I could retire in five years, but I don't think that's possible. I'm probably working for another 10. And to that, I would say, well, let's have a look at the numbers for five. Let's see, how could we do that? Hmm. Well, that yeah, it's not always impossible. Explore, Sometimes you get to tell people a pretty exciting piece of news that they can go a bit sooner than they, than they thought. So, wow. I think it'd be pretty interesting to skip us on to, because there's, there's a whole, I've got a section written up really is about getting financial advice. And I think that'd be quite interesting for our viewers, a quite young audience who probably don't have any idea to do with the financial advice. So a bit of a sort of to-in and fro-in um, sort of questions, but let's see what you think of some of these. Um, so we see a similar question in the Discord quite a lot, and the, the real question is, why do they need financial advice? Yeah, so they... I think there's a massive misconception on what we actually do. Um, I, I often don't call myself a financial advisor, and I tend to use the term financial planner because I think that describes what I do better. Um, I think a lot, there's this misconception from back in the day. The old school financial advisor was the guy at the bank or building society that if you had a few quid in your current account, they would sort of fluff you up and take you out the back to see this guy. Um, who would basically just try and push one of three products that the bank had that were all shit. That was basically how it worked. Um, and I think that that's gone now by and large, but I think there's still a throwback that people think that's what we're here to do is just find products and tell people what fund to invest in. And now that people are getting a bit more educated and a bit more interested in investing and they're starting to think, well, well, I can choose that. I, I can go and choose a platform and a, and a Vanguard fund and stick it in there. So what on earth are you doing? Um, that that tends to be the where I think that question comes from, and um, well, I think we touched on it here. There's a whole lot more to what we do in a financial planning sense. I'm talking, what, you know, about the wider, the goals and the plans, and when do you want to retire? Let's have a look at the numbers and, and all that sort of thing. Putting a plan together, the products and what you get actually invested in are kind of a byproduct at the end of an advice journey. They're not actually the the sole purpose of what we're trying to do. Um, so people don't come to me to buy themselves an ISA, really. That's not really what I do. I can do that, but that's not really what I'm here for. Does that, that answer the question? Sense. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. What's, um, yeah. So how, how would you separate a good financial advisor from a bad one? Then? You must see some bad ones around. Oh, yeah, I've met a few. <laughs> um, <laughs> it tends to be some of the, old, the older-fashioned... So, so there's a big change in our industry, which stops a lot of this. Um, there was something called RDR, and I never remember what year it was. It was 2000 and something, um, where they basically raised the qualification bar for all financial advisors. So there was a massive change in the whole industry to say, hang on a minute, we're going to completely change this. Um, they banned commission from selling products and getting a commission. So clients felt they weren't paying for the advice and there was this sort of strange commission but nobody really knew where it came from and of course it was loaded into whatever the product was in terms of charges it was a convoluted horrible thing they got rid of all of that and they also um, raised the bar on the qualification level so it did chop a lot of dead wood out of the industry people that couldn't meet the new qualification level or simply were a bit long in the tooth to even bother trying so they just decided to leave so I think on the whole, the standard of financial advice is a whole lot better now than it was 10, 15 years ago, by quite some way, I would say. Um, that said, there are, of course, still the odd, the odd rogue person that is still more salesman type and just wants to try and get you to take out a product. I think if you don't do the financial planning bit properly, cash flow, talk about goals and finding out why people are investing, what they're trying to achieve, that you want a financial advisor that does that bit. That, that's the important bit. 
Yeah, you mentioned that in one of your videos, actually. You also talked about stuff like what they've been kind of learning about recently because there's now a kind of ongoing retraining uh, kind of requirement or continued development or whatever it's kind of called. Yeah. Um, I got quite a lot from that, by the way, just thinking about the kind of things that you want to kind of find out from your financial advisor. Good. Um, I thought that video was great, so I enjoyed that. Thank you. There's one fan. <laughs> People are expecting a punchline now. Um, so, uh, while we're on that subject, does that mean that you're no longer doing the fluffing stuff anymore? <laughs> sometimes, and Paul sometimes takes photos for me as well. Jesus. So when so what, when th- this while... isn't on the list, but I was just thinking, like, who who should come to you for financial advice? Is it everybody? Like what sort of age should we be looking for a financial advisor? What sort of position in our life should we be in to, to seek one out? It tends to be sort of major life events, I guess, normally triggers somebody to, you know, to speak to me. For example, I've just inherited this big pot of money. I've never had a sum like this before. How on earth do I begin to even think about doing that? That kind of thing. Um, there's a real hole in our industry, though, and it is a challenge. And this is part coming back to the whole, why did you start YouTube? If you're, if you're a younger person, wants to try and get into, you know, making better decisions with your money and, and all this sort of investing stuff, you're going to likely find it hard to sit in front of a financial advisor, you know, and, and with, the, with the fees and the way that stuff works. You're going to find it very hard for a financial advisor to actually have that conversation with you. If you're just starting out, you've got nothing and you've got 50 quid a month to start you off. You're going to find it really challenging to speak to somebody and get any advice, really, realistically, on what to do with that. Um, It is a massive hole in our sort of industry, um, you know, this savings gap and all the rest of it. And that's where something like YouTube, I think, can play a role if done correctly, um, Mm. you know, to try and find and engage that audience. So the, the, the real answer to that, Paul, is there's almost any point, you know, you, you could get financial advice to improve. But I think if um, any major events, you know, I mean, if you if you've just had kids and you want to think about that or if you've just inherited money, as I say, or you're just about to retire, that's a massive decision. You've got to get that right, how to use it and so on. So it tends to be those kinds of events. Yeah, something similar for me was was kids. But I do think about the youngest person who might be listening and thinking, you know, so many younger people are living hand to mouth at the moment. And it makes it very hard for them to plan for the future and makes it very hard for them to gain that education. So uh, we can see Tom Morgan, uh, that financial show on TikTok very soon, um, flashing up 10 second videos, I'm I'm guessing, (laughs) dancing, dancing around his kitchen, pointing to different parts of the parts of the screen. (laughs) Is that good? That looked good. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And miming. (laughs) Miming uh, different things. Oh yeah, carry on. <laughs> so interesting one. Um, I, I always remember because I listened to a lot of uh, meaningful money, and he always used to talk about market anxieties, and it has quite a quite a large topic because a financial advisor seen as a you're in control of the money. So how do you control market anxiety? If uh, I assume you get quite a few clients and the market's down ringing, going, "What have you done?" <laughs> yeah so there's there's a massive part of our role which i always think this I, this comes under my coaching hat um, in those events you know when you get that call from the client a lot of that work you know is done at the outset i think if you describe risk properly i go through a huge bit on risk more so than i think most advisors do to really make sure that you know rather than oh you, you know risk and reward come hand in hand right okay you know that's what 
a lot of people sort of do, but actually talking about the different kinds of risk and how you manage those and so on to make sure that you get the correct risk profile for that person. So every client that I've got, I know exactly what risk profile they're at via a very detailed discussion. So if they've agreed to that, they should be tolerant of what's in the portfolio and what it can do in terms of ups and downs. That being said, COVID was the big test of that because you know markets fall, what, 30, 35%. My phone was hot, as you can imagine. Um, mm. that, was a re- that was the toughest professional period I think I've been through in terms of coaching wow. people to make sure that they stayed in their seat. You know, the worst thing you can do is panic now and make a poor choice. You've got to stay in your seat, which is easy for me to say, unemotionally attached to that life savings that I look after for you. Mm. But just trust me, it will come back. I don't know how long it will take. And then obviously, I think we were probably pleasantly surprised as to how quickly things did come back. Five minutes. Yeah. Five minutes. Um, (laughs) You know, and the amount of conversations I have now with those clients that say, my goodness me, we're glad we listened to you at the bottom of that because we were really thinking about panicking. Yeah, absolutely. Saved a few lives there, I think. Um, Unlike uh, the uh, money saving expert, Martin Lewis, who did advise in a podcast a couple to take out their money at the bottom uh, who they were saving for their kids um, tuition fees they just turned 18 and they they were quite they were quite low and he said pull it out and put it into a high interest savings account I was like oh my god you're doing this on a podcast what are you doing and he must have lost them a lot of money I think Um, so with that I know you're saying that a lot of people are phoning you at the time and saying say you're saying stay in your seat stay in your seat are you doing the same are you in a similar position to them at that time and are you in similar investments do you do you kind of follow your own advice yeah so i very much do really i mean i have so we talk about plain vanilla and then play money i said earlier i sort of adopt that approach where anything serious financial goal for me like planning for my kids i've got two young kids planning for them and what I want for them, planning for my own retirement strategy and and the serious goals, the big ones, the milestones, that is in plain vanilla sort of stuff, funds. I don't do any stock picking with that. And then outside of that, you know, a little bit of play money, which would not affect my lifestyle if it went pop tomorrow. That's where I might have a little bit more fun. Um, And that's the kind of thing that I preach to clients and that's what I do. I always had this really cheesy mantra when I started that I would never tell a client to do something that I wouldn't do if I were in their situation. If I've gone, they've, they've told me what their financial situation was. If I'm in their seat, what do I do? And that's what I tell them to do. Can't go far wrong then, was how I thought about it. Hmm. And you still think that way? Yeah, 100%. I think crypto has been the test of that probably because you can imagine, I get a lot of questions about crypto and imagine that in my seat in a, I'm in a highly regulated industry. I mean, if the FCA found this podcast, they'd probably oik me out. You'd probably see a hand come and just pull me off it. Um, that, that's what being in my world is like. Sorry, what? Pulling Sorry, off yeah, that was a terrible turn of phrase. <laughs> no one's pulling anyone off, just to be everybody's, clear. Everybody's you... just gone on the FCA. How do we become a financial advisor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, there's the little so, clip to promote so, this one. That does so, remind so you with the, these... the subway. If you had subway, it says, don't stand too close to the edge, you'll get sucked off. <laughs> <laughs> that might not stay in. 
<laughs> so, so with these clients coming to you with crypto, are you, are you, I don't know, do you do it for them or do you sort of, what, what do you advise around it at the time? I, I sort of can't say anything about crypto. I mean, obviously it's completely an unregulated space. So I sort of have no opinion um, professionally on crypto. Yeah, okay. that, that is my default stance. Yeah, um, I, I still think it's more gambling than investing right now. That's not to say I don't think areas that have merit um, because I think there are some interesting ideas there. But for me, I still think it's in the play money category and it's not of any serious part of my financial plan. But that's personal for me. That's my not financial advice bit. That's my own view for me. I have some clients with some absolute astronomical crypto portfolios that they do themselves. Mm. Um, I can think of one in particular that every time I go and see him, he's stuck another 50 grand in. He's absolutely loving it. And uh, (laughs) I just sort of think it's, yeah, it's an interesting play. (laughs) You're sort of like reporting to him saying, yeah, your investments have made 4% this year. And he goes, that's okay, I've made 7 million in crypto. Yeah. <laughs> so I go in, all, all buoyant, going, I can't wait to show him his 6% return. And then he and then he whops out that sheep coin or whatever it's called. And then I, I sort of go back to the car and skulk away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we're just getting up just past the hour, Paul. So I think we better get the community questions in. We had a few, uh, we, put a, yeah. we put a question up on our community. Um, you know, we're talking to a financial advisor. What questions do you want us to ask? Well, we've asked the first one inadvertently. So sorry, Sam Crew, your question has been asked. Um, so we'll drop on to Michael Slade. But he said, not necessarily a question, but he's put a question mark at the end. So I think he's lying. But he's curious <laughs> to know what you think the biggest misconception is about your job and industry. Well, I think I touched on it. I think people think we're here to sell them products and funds to choose from and therefore they can do that themselves so what on earth is the point of us that's the biggest misconception and there are advisors like that but you've got to find yourself a good one that can actually talk to you about proper planning tax planning and and all that stuff that comes with it even estate planning i guess at the end of it yeah you know it's all very well building up a huge pot in an isa and then if your shift focuses in later life and you suddenly become a bit focused on inheritance tax, well, that's no good to you then. So um, Round Metal says, uh, I probably ask uh, what brokers or services that you use um, and what should they look for in a broker? So I'll probably steer clear of giving you some names just because, mm-hmm. again, the FCA are probably sniffing around. But um, So I've used pretty much every platform in some shape or form over the last 10 years. Um, you know, you've got to remember most platforms fundamentally are offering the same thing, aren't they? Access to investments. Um, so that's, I always use the analogy, that's the supermarket you choose to shop in. And then, you know, the investments are what you choose to put in the basket is how I try and explain it to people that are brand new to a to a platform. Yeah, um, so they broadly all do the same thing. So then it comes down to what wrappers have they got available? What are the fees and costs and what investment choices have they got? Um, and outside of that, what support is there if you ever need them? I can think of one in particular, again, mentioning no names that were a big, big platform that were pretty good on all the things. But if you ever needed to get hold of them about something, you know, something went wrong or something went funny on the site, they were absolutely impossible to get hold of. Even with my own sort of advisor phone number that I had, could never get hold of them. And so I dropped them on that basis because if everything else is great, but you can't speak to somebody when you need it, what use is that? So, so yeah, it's what wrappers, what fees, what investment choices, and then are they there when you need them? Fair enough. 
And mega mega subatomic, mega subatomic. That's for some reason was a tongue twister. Um, He said um, basically he wants to know how would how they would invest to encourage intergenerational wealth building. There's an interesting one for you to pick apart. Give you a minute. (laughs) Intergenerational wealth. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess that come. Yeah, a lot of that is financial planning based in terms of what wrappers you're using. Um, how they are inherited, I suppose. Um, you want to make sure that the stuff you build up, these portfolios that you build, if these are portfolios that you're not looking to use and spend and you want to pass down to the next generations, either in your lifetime or after you've gone, you need to understand what the, how that actually works with those wrappers. You know, hmm. Pensions react differently to ISAs, as we touched on earlier. Pensions react differently after the age 75 before age 75 in terms of tax so you know you need to to do that but you want to try and get as much of the portfolios in these tax wrappers so that it can be passed down as efficiently as possible um yeah that's an interesting i don't get a lot of people saying to me i want to plan for intergenerational wealth um so that is an interesting one but on that that people strive uh, to achieve intergenerational wealth a lot of people do, and to be honest with you, I do to a point as well. I'd like to continue on, but we've had guests on here before that advise against that quite often. But I always ask because I, I've got two small kids. I think they're too small right now to really teach about finance, but we, I am adding little little bits in. But I don't know how old your kids are. I don't know if you you want to release their ages or not but are you doing anything yeah, so, so mine are really little mine, mine are one and three. Oh, mine the same mine exactly the same so there's not much i can do there i suppose so it's pro- probably not <coughs> are you planning on putting in anything in place for them to um to learn more about finance or are they just going to see daddy's job and go that's what daddy does i'm going to do that that's too. what daddy that, does that looks terribly boring that, but he did do that podcast yeah. once Put, put down that put down that Peppa Pig book and read securities analysis. Yeah. <laughs> I've got loads you, of great textbooks over say, here. They can. <laughs> you say this because I I did that Christmas episode that one year, and that all spurred from the idea of writing some financial children's books because I was reading to a kid and I was like, how can I how can I sort of teach this? And I, I kind of came up with a little book about two squirrels and one hides nuts and one lets them grow and gets more trees or something like that and i was thinking ah maybe there's something in this and that's when oh I no mr it. squirrel here comes the tax man i can see it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. night night sleep tight don't let the invisible hand of the fca reach around and pull you off while you sleep oh well that's the oh, gift no, that just the keeps Chinese on giving squirrels. isn't it <laughs> Oh, oh no, the Chinese squirrels, they're all defaulted on their credit swats. <laughs> You've got no more nuts left. <laughs> Jesus. Right, I'm going to go for one last one before we wrap up because we're getting daft. <laughs> um, Tom Poe, um, quite passively aggressively, I think, asked, explain to me why I shouldn't just buy VWRL. And if you can imagine, that, <laughs> ten, 10 exclamation marks against it. <laughs> you fire him, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's who sent me that piece of shit in the post. That must be that solves that mystery. Was it? Did it? Was the one with glitter in it? Because that was me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you can... Look, there's worse things you can do than buy VWRL, isn't there? I mean, it's funny. I mean, you could talk about risk, you know, about if that's your whole portfolio, talking about risk and is that really correct? I mean, you talk about diversification, that solves that problem by and large. So, look, there's worse things you can do than that. Um, the worst thing people, most people don't do is ever actually getting around to invest at all. So I think anybody that's already made the decision to invest and getting over that hurdle and finding themselves in, in that particular fund or whatever, they're already 70% of the way there in terms of making that decision. So there's loads worse that you can do than that. Um, yeah, I mean, you can do that if you You like. heard it here first, guys. Uh, YOLO Rivian, YOLO Tesla, YOLO uh, Workhorse. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Tom Morgan at the, the finance show, uh, FCA approved. Somebody just wants pulling off by the FCA. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. I'm tempted to just get qualified. All right, all right, all right. We're talking about <laughs> even even Steve W is getting into the into the debauchery today. So that must be. <laughs> the time for us to cancel this this show thank you very much to everyone that's listening thank you so much for tom uh his youtube channel that finance show uh go like subscribe and and all of that jazz give us a five-star review on the podcast if you really thought that was quite good come on it's worth five stars for just getting steve to start making some uh some dick jokes um thank you very much for watching guys and we'll see you next week I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up.